it like we do it. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. This episode is sponsored by Blue Blocks, the makers of the blue light blocking glasses. You can support the podcast by going to blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And the discount code is Joy. You can get yourself a beautiful, high quality pair of blue light blocking glasses. Take care of your eyes. Take care of your health. We're looking at screens all day. We're working at home. You're scrolling social media. There's a lot of news. Take care of your eyes. Get some sleep. Get some rest. Blue light blocking glasses are so, so helpful, especially in the evenings when I'm trying to wind myself down. Every little bit helps. So please support the podcast and support blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. The discount code is JOY. And remember, every pair of Blue Blocks glasses that you buy, they donate a pair to Restoring Vision to give a pair of glasses to someone in need. Win, win, win all around with the sponsor. We love them. We love working with them. Thank you guys. How are you doing, Claire? Oh, hey. <laughs> are we just going to like eventually fizzle out and all of a sudden we're just going to be like breaths of air on the show? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> like Garrison Keeler. Um, I'm good. I am tired. Uh, yeah. It's been okay. a long couple of weeks. I've had a long week, long week at work and I'm going to have a long week at work coming up. So I'm like, okay. Well, let me energize you really quick because some people submitted some really good pump up songs and I would just oh, want to, yes. I just want to share, I want to share Nikki's song real quick at the risk of getting in trouble for sharing a song. Does it count if it's on a voice memo? I don't know. And it's not even the full song, but just maybe this will get you in a good mood. <laughs> fan in Arizona just wanted to shout out and say that is my stress relief song for the month didn't know it was but it came on right after I finished listening to your podcast and I got all happy inside so I'm gonna claim it as my stress relief song love you guys stay safe stay healthy I love how the song also almost yes. ends like do, 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 do. that was wonderful <laughs> when when I first got that voice memo I I legit for a moment thought she was sending it because Brandon didn't know that Marky Mark was Mark Wahlberg oh my gosh remember that <laughs> that was funny oh, just in, in case you guys missed that gem Brandon did not think Mark Wahlberg was Brandon's he mind Mark, he was know, blown yeah. when he found out that Mark Wahlberg and Marky Mark were the same. No, it wasn't that he knew that he didn't know that Mark Wahlberg's career had started as a music artist. Marky Mark and the Funky That's what Punch. it was. Yeah. He was like, he, and he, yeah, he was like, what do you mean? Like he got to start with, you know, some old movie. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Oh, that's really funny. Thank you guys for sending your songs. That was really fun for us to see what you guys are jamming out to and getting through this time in your life. Whatever, whatever works, whatever helps you. Uh, we got some Britney Spears. We got some good 90s yeah, jams. What were some of the songs that we got? Mm -hmm. We don't have to play well, them. We cannot play them. I know. They're, um, yeah, I know. I was like, I was trying to go through all some of them. But uh, I just want to say, speaking of Britney Spears... Her Instagram is just continuously. She a, had a great one. A bright spot in my life right now. She had a good one recently, and that ended up on comments by celebs. Where, which if you guys don't follow that account, it's pretty funny. Where she and her boyfriend were just like hanging out with their masks on. Oh yeah. And someone was like, "Just so you know, if you're away, if you're like not around people that you live with, then you don't have to wear your mask." And Brittany wrote back and was like, "Millions of people will see this post. It's better to be a good example." And I was like, "You're right, Brittany." 
Yeah. Yeah. It was Sam actually that wrote that. Sam was like, hey guys, we know that millions of people will see this. We want to be a good example. Oh, that was just well, good for you, Britt and Sam. Brit and Sam. Um, I just love, I, I just love, I hope she's okay, but I, I see a picture of a rose, you know? I love like, it. Just a rose. And it's just like her caption is, just like the fragility of a rose, we are all sensitive people longing for one thing, dot, 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 love. Yes, Brit. And to the one person who's going to write us saying we're making fun of Brittany, we're not making fun of Brittany. I love her so much and I really wish her well. And I think she's just... And I truly enjoy she, her content. I just truly enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, anyway, um, so these are the little things that are kind of getting us through this difficult, this difficult time in our lives. <laughs> and we hope that everyone out there listening is doing well and doing yes. okay. I realized that, oh, first of all, I just want to shout out today is Scott's birthday. We're recording on June 28th. And today's Scott's birthday. I stress out every year what to get him. So I just ended up ended up getting him some outdoor voices apparel that he wanted anyway, along with some lush bath bombs because he's a huge, he's so a So you huge basically bath bought dude. him the birthday gifts that you would want. 100%. But he also requested them, so I can't fail with that. And we'll probably go out to lunch today and do something fun. But um, I just wanted to say that every single year, not remember what day Scott's birthday's on. Mm -hmm. And it's either on the 26th or the 28th. And because it's two even numbers, I, I mix them up every year. And so my mom must have it in her calendar incorrectly also because on Friday morning, they're just sending my, my entire family, my side of the family is sending him text messages. Happy birthday, Scott. <laughs> and I'm like, Scott, I think, I think you're just going to have to live with the fact that my, my family thinks your birthday is on June 26th, not June 28th. And so, yeah, we're just going to have to live with that. I even for, well, I shouldn't say he's not going to listen to this, but we... Uh, Claire and I had scheduled a shoot, a video shoot today, and I totally forgot that it was Scott's birthday. And then I was like, we have to reschedule it. I I scheduled this on my husband's birthday, and that was... And this is such an ongoing thing for Joy to forget that I actually have a calendar reminder in my own calendar every year to remind Joy when Scott's birthday is, but I was backpacking when my calendar reminder was set. And so I didn't, I couldn't We do all it. failed. All the backup alarms failed. All so hey, backup. podcast community, next year, can you remind me that my husband's birthday is June 28th? <laughs> right. Like on June 1st, just shoot her a text. On June 14th, yeah. just send her a text. It's not the 26th. It is On the 25th, June send, her, 20... send her a text. 28th. 28th. Scott's birthday is not tomorrow. 28th. Yeah. So really, really, really funny. But speaking of taking care of yourself, I recently went to therapy and I just wanted to share this for the purpose of saying, uh, if you have a hesitation of going to therapy, please just do it. My hesitation, which is very ironic, being a therapist, people think like, oh, you must go to therapy all the time. You must be so healthy and so good at taking care of yourself. It's really not true. It's kind of like, I liken it to seeing nurses who smoke, (laughs) where it's just like... They or like <laughs> maybe on a less controversial, not controversial, maybe on a less extreme level of like personal trainers who don't work out. Sure. Right. Uh, not, uh, yeah, not whatever. Extreme, yeah. Whatever you know the what case I mean. may be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where right. you kind it's of like, like know have- better, but you don't do better. So I have been thinking about it for quite some time. And I do have a therapist that I've been working with consistently throughout my you know 20s and 30s. And 
I had just put it off, put it off, put it off. And I was telling some of my girlfriends, I'm like, God, I just really, I should just go talk to her. And they're like, just schedule a session. Why are you, why are you hesitant to this? And what it came down to was a, I was just so sick of hearing myself. Do you ever have that where you're just like, I just don't want to hear myself talk. I don't want to hear myself complain. What do I have to gripe about? I have really good things going on in my life, even though I'm struggling with certain areas why would I just like sit and hear myself talk? That was kind of the biggest resistance that I had. And then one morning I was just not feeling well and just in a really, really bad mental space. And then I finally just emailed her and I'm like, can I please set up a session? And it was so, so great. And I cannot say it enough that you must find a therapist that truly, truly gets you and that you like a lot. Because the moment I just started talking to her, I was like, oh, thank you so much. And she's retiring this fall. So I'm like, okay, now I need to like get as many sessions in with her as I possibly can. (laughs) So just a shout out, if you're hesitant, please just make the appointment. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Just make the appointment. The other thing that I was going to kind of bring up was touching really briefly on tough conversations. I know that we have a time in our life where Right now, especially, we may be having difficult conversations either with we're seeing it on social media or you're having difficult, uncomfortable conversations with your family. I hope Scott doesn't mind me sharing this, but it's just kind of funny because every time he talks to someone in his family, and I'm not really going to like go into detail with it, but I will hear him on the phone and he just kind of gets in these like heated conversations about the state of the world. They have very conflicting views of what viewpoints of what is going on in the state of the world right now. And so I will hear him. Him being like, so what So what about this? And kind of debating it, but like in a nice way. And I just had a moment yesterday where I was like, oh my gosh, I felt so proud and also very grateful that I have a partner that has such similar values and beliefs as I do. Not to say like you're surrounding yourself with people who are agreeing with everything that you say, but our values are so in line that it was just like... <laughs> I've never been more attracted to you than I am right now. Like listen to someone debate such heated controversial topics that you're just like, this is like the new foreplay of just being like, yes, yes. Talk more about how much you think this is like the president. Tell me more yeah. about racial justice. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Tell me more. Like, let me hear you more. Talk more about how much you hate Fox News and how you're just hearing one side of the story to your family members. And he, he was like, I just, I thought, I mean, I know that sounds totally inappropriate, but I just had to bring some lightness to it. I was like, I've never been more attracted to you right now than listening to you have really difficult conversations. And I agree with everything that you're saying. And it was just like, I'm so, I'm so happy though to like have someone in my life and have a partner. And maybe I'm just also saying this too, because it's his birthday and I'm glad he was born, but that can be so confident and vocal and steadfast in his beliefs. And in a way that truly is for social justice. Like Scott went to a Jesuit school. He's very, very focused on social justice and everything that he does has to be for the greater good. Not not that he feels he has to, but he wants to. And he just sees that as our human responsibility. And so I don't know, I just, I wanted to express there's some gratitude for you. But as far as 
having difficult conversations. I think recently what I wanted to reflect on, and I don't know how you handle this, Claire, of like, when do you pick your battles of who to talk to about these things? Like, do you find yourself when you get, you know, because it's the obvious thing, like we had an example recently where someone on social media challenged us and not challenged us, but you could tell it was like provoking a conversation that was going nowhere. So how do you decide where, when it's worth pursuing versus like, oh, I'm just going to drop it? I think I have decided that I'm not going to engage unless I can do so verbally. Like if I can't call you and talk to you about this or can't see you and talk to you about this, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage on text or social, social media. Right. Social. I'm having a hard time saying that word. Mm -hmm. Text or social media. I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage there because to me that is way too much of an energy suck for me to feel like I'm able to do it in the way that I want that like, not that I want to, but like, I think the thing that I can't have that I found was really draining me and is not sustainable, a sustainable way for me to approach this is to have sort of like open conversations. And what I mean by that is like the ticket is open, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like you, um, Oh, here's my coffee delivery. (laughs) (laughs) The coffee is here in your brand new mug. I know. Thank you. And what I mean by that is like, I don't know if, you know, other people who listen to this work in like a, have a part of their work that's like ticket based. It's like if you're, if you're texting or on social media, that person has no obligation to get back to you immediately. And so like you could kind of have this conversation simmering in the background for hours or days. Yeah. And I was finding that to be so stressful and draining that I was thinking about it constantly. And it was like, if they hadn't written back yet, I would be just like agonizing over what I said or what they were going to say. Or I would be just like, I mean, because it's uncomfortable to have those conversations. And so if I was having them on text, then that discomfort just permeated my entire day to the point of it not being helpful and to the point of me like really like I was just burning out really quickly mm-hmm. and so I think that was sort of where I, I decided okay there are a lot of conversations that I can have on text and I'm happy to have some of like the less intense conversations on text with people I know but if I'm gonna really try to sit down and have a difficult conversation I need to do it verbally and I think that's also because I think people And we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. Like, I think it's easy for people to kind of dismiss social media and it's easy for people to just hear what they want to hear or do, you know, like get what they want to get. Like, it's it's a lot more, it's a lot easier for things over text and social media to be one-sided. So it feels like when you actually talk to someone verbally, there's a, a much more human element that I think is really, really helpful to actually bring in that next level of being genuine and of being human and of understanding and of really like seeking to connect versus, oh, I'm just going to like fling my opinion at you and walk away. Right. Because I find that conversations that tend to get make me feel defensive are the ones that I probably need to step back and say, where is this person coming from? And what do they what is their objective? You know, like last week, where you talked about you and Brandon saying like, what is the objective of our I mean, in a different context, but what is our objective of what is the goal? And what is the object objective here? So if I see someone kind of coming at not coming at me, but coming to a conversation that feels like the automatic response for me is defense means I need to step back and be like, clearly, this person is passionate about something about whatever issue it is that we're discussing. But I'm already feeling defensive, which is not a good place to be in. So 
how can we then step back and, you know, some of my responses have been like, well, let me take a moment to think about this. And I'd rather talk to you about this in person, like you just said, where if it's either in text or on email or whatever messages, what I've found, especially with these, you know, whether it be about what's going on in the world, if I feel the automatic response is defense, and I just want to kind of lash back and be like, gosh, I can't believe you just attacked me this way or that you came at me this way is automatically kind of setting up the discussion to fail. It's one of those things too, you have to think about it. Like, are you getting in the arg- not argument, but are you getting in a discussion to win? Or are you getting in a discussion to listen? And I think that's what I've, at le- I mean, at least for me, I've had to think about a lot is it feels a lot like I can't, when I don't understand where someone's coming from, or it's really hard for me to see their logic. I think those are the ones I have the hardest time with. So right, where it's like, you kind of go into it thinking this person is so wrong. How can yeah. I convince them that they're wrong? Right, right. And like, no matter how deep you're never held that belief them. is. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, but it, but they're coming into that conversation with the same exact mindset. And what you're hoping that they do, that they're doing is coming in and saying, okay, I'm really interested to hear what Joy has to say, yeah. but you're not meeting them with that same expectation. Yeah. That's a good point. It's like, and, but I, and I, and also, you know, it's sort of like, we're not here to coddle people's racist beliefs no. just for the sake of, of <laughs> meeting them where they are. No. But I think it is important to have that mindset of, okay, I need to come in and be ready to be prepared to actually listen. And because if you're not, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is us having conversations with people, close people in our lives, not saying that everyone needs to be prepared to listen no. because it's not worth your energy It's not for a lot of people. Yeah. But these are the, the conversations that you choose, the conversations that you need to have inside your own circle, not random people flinging insults on social media right. and random and not, you know, yeah, this like is, that whole thing of airtime. Like I'm not going to give that airtime yeah. because it's just not worth my energy with someone I barely know, but with either family member or family members or friends, I think what's hardest for me and probably hardest for a lot of people is when you feel like you are talking two different languages that their belief system is so different that you can't really meet in the middle because structurally it is so off. Like the two templates just don't overlap at all. The, I guess like the baseline or the foundation is completely different. So in that case, it's it's kind of like, okay, well, I guess we can just hear each other out. We're never going to come to an agreement and the expectation will never be that we agree. But can I think those are the most difficult ones is recently approached with by a friend with something that I was like, well, I can't even I don't right now I choose not to engage because I don't see the conversation going anywhere but getting me angry because I feel like it's being set up to fail. Yeah. And those ones are hard. And, you know, I think like a couple of weeks ago when we talked about not engaging with a cert- with like a friend or the mutual friend that we both have, we had a couple people write in who were like, no, you have to. Yeah. You have to be the one right. to at least just start that process and get that ball rolling because if it's not you, who else is it going to be? And you don't know whether like your conversation may end, may not end well, but then it might set them up to have a conversation with another closer person in their life who then they can think, okay, well, I remember this from my conversation with Joy or not even that linearly, but you know, you never know. Right. Like you never know how you're going to plant the seed. I think my pessim, I'm pessimistic that this person would even listen. Right. But I think it is, it's like, okay, but at that point it is just a matter of 
planting the seed and and hoping for, like you can't control the outcome but that doesn't mean you can't that you're you shouldn't try right and i think it's like when we go in i think our natural default as as humans is that we want to go in having the other person agree with us maybe a little bit i don't i don't know if i necessarily think that i like seeking for agreement i'm seeking for kind of like this mutual unraveling like can we just unravel where we're both coming from but if you're going into it with like well this is where I stand and this is where I stand and we're not going to budge then I think that that's it's not productive anyway I know we're speaking in like relatively vague terms but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there too because I think these are the things I want to continue to develop and get better at quite frankly I'm not perfect at any of these (laughs) qualities or any of these traits with with having conversations with people. And to be honest with you, I don't love conflict. Who loves conflict? I'm not good at it. I think that's kind of a funny thing to say, actually, like not being good at conflict. But I think some people are more comfortable with having difficult, um, uncomfortable conversations than others. I'd love to hear from other people too, of how you're approaching that or how you're developing your skills. with having difficult conversations. And and it may just be a point of like practice and keep doing it because the more you do it, the better you get at it and exposure, exposure, exposure. I know. And it's hard. And also that this is really the place, the difficult conversation topic is the place where I feel the most conflicted is not the right word at all, but the most like stirred up, mm-hmm. I guess, because like, I feel like this is where we as individuals have the ability to make the most direct impact on another individual. And then that is ultimately what is really going to change people. And, you know, those individual one-on-one conversations aren't necessarily going to change policy and aren't necessarily going to change politics and aren't necessarily going to change city budgets, but they will change individuals and they have the ability to. Whereas I don't think that protests have the ability to change individuals because they will look at the protests and see exactly what they want to see. You know, I don't think that a lot of people who, a lot of people who, who hold racist beliefs are looking at the protests and thinking like, oh man, I should really dig into this. And so, and those are the people who ultimately, you know, need to be reached out to. And I, and I also think that we need to, maybe this is where it comes out, what it comes down to. I think we need to stop worrying about making it comfortable for people to have conversations where they bring up their racist beliefs. And, you know, like we need to stop worrying about calling them out and making them feel like shit for that. Because I think that's like kind of where I'm, I'm like, well, I don't want to call my friends out. I don't want to make them feel bad. Well, I should want to make them feel bad because if you are saying racist things, you should be called out for that and you should be made uncomfortable for that. And you should to the point where you don't want to do it anymore because you know your friends are going to call you out. Right. You know, so it's like, well, so what if that if that conversation ends terribly? I would rather for a conversation to end terribly than to not call racist right. behavior out. Yeah. But I get what you're saying too, when there may be... I'm sure, I'm sure there's friendships that have been lost and people who've been divided on a lot of these issues that have really kind of driven relationships apart. I'm sure, I'm sure that that has happened over, especially over the past year. And I think that that is something that I've reflected a lot on as well as where do I step out of my comfort zone and call things out to friends that I might be close to or even more acquaintances. And the tendency that I go to is the people that I feel like are, I guess, lost causes, (laughs) I'm like, I don't even know if I, my, it's that, it's that learned helplessness where you're like, I just, I don't, what, any energy that I put out is not going to change anything. So you don't say anything at all. But then I think that's the problem of why we are still here is because of that. So we need to have louder voices speaking up against racism instead of just being like, well, they're just going to keep saying that because that's how they right. No matter what it. I do, right. they'll just get it's going to be like that. It's like, right. well, yeah, we yeah. don't know that. Yeah. And keeping that conversation going, I just want to keep practicing. I just want to 
stumble through it, make my mistakes, but at least get better, I guess, at pissing people off in a way that's like, I'm just really standing up for mm-hmm. beliefs that I feel are for the greater good. I know you don't want to talk about this, but I have to talk. Can you just start a timer for like five minutes so I can address something related to CrossFit, please? <laughs> Claire was like, I don't want to talk anything CrossFit this week. Like, I just feel and like... And I just totally we're... threw this on you on the podcast. And there, and it's the reason I don't want to talk about CrossFit is again, like, and I explain this to Joy. It's not because I don't think it's relevant to us. It's not because I don't think it's, you know, that you like. I know that this is something that's impacting a lot of the people that we that listen to us. But I just feel like we've already given CrossFit too much airtime in a in a time when significantly more important, more important things, things are, are happening. happening. Yes, and I don't want to reduce any of the issues around like, oh yeah, well, you know, CrossFit has never been accepting of racial diversity or of LGBTQ or, you know, all of the above or, you know, body diversity. Like I don't want to reduce those issues as if they only happen in CrossFit. Right. Because we know that they don't. They and don't. We, and, but- and, if, and, and I want to give the issues the, the true like air and weight that they deserve, which is that these are global. Global. And constant issues. And I don't want people to think like, oh, well, yeah, CrossFit sucked. So right. glad I left my CrossFit gym. Work here is done. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I will say that what I want to address briefly, and I truly can just keep this like a five minute mark. I'm looking at the clock right now. 28, 29, 31, 33, 33 minutes at our, at least my clock here. I want to address that I think is a bigger issue truly of how people in power potentially are so out of touch with how they affect their community. So I think if I can just touch on that briefly, not specific to to CrossFit, but I think this happens all over the place of how you think your work is done and it could not be further from the truth. So what I want to talk about really, really quick is the Talking Elite Fitness podcast where they just interviewed Dave Castro. I promised myself I wasn't going to listen because I had a feeling it was going to make me angry. And it didn't make me angry, but it did make me aware that, oh, okay, this is where a lot of problems lie. So I encourage everyone to listen to it. I love Sean and Tommy. I think they do a really good job. of. They just seem like nice guys. We've met actually both of them. We talked to Tommy briefly at the CrossFit Games last year. But I want to just bring up that Dave Castro, they interviewed him on all the things that are recently happening within the CrossFit space. And you know, if you don't do CrossFit, you feel free to just jump ahead five minutes. But I do think it's relevant to just big organizations and how they think, well, uh, you know, we've done our job here. We don't, you know, we are inclusive. So I think the the biggest issue that I heard was them talking about the culture in CrossFit HQ and how Dave touched upon, and again, I'm just kind of speaking out, you know, I don't, I have not lived their experience. And I know Dave has so much pressure on him. And my, my gut feeling, first of all, I feel like he and I, <laughs> the, the way that he explained himself, I'm like, I can relate to him from what he's saying. He's, he doesn't trust people right away. He's very protective. He's very quiet, probably more of an introvert. And so I, when he was kind of describing his, his traits, I'm like, oh, I can kind of see him. I can kind of see his number here. And they were talking about the culture of CrossFit. And also he's, He's been in this world for so long that I think that he perhaps has lost some perspective. I don't know. I don't walk in his shoes, but I truly know that he loves CrossFit and wants this to succeed. And I know a lot of people want CrossFit to succeed. That is wonderful. And I know he has amazing work ethic 
and doesn't quit. Love that. The thing that I was struck by was how out of touch it felt with the CrossFit culture at HQ saying, well, we were just very virtual and we weren't really in the office. And so we had a lot of different pockets of culture. So we don't know how it happened in this office versus this office and the IT office. And No, that's like when Ben Bergeron was like, well, no one around me was racist. So I didn't know racism was still happening. Right? And it's so like, I was no, like, you don't, yeah, if you're okay, the leadership of your company, if you're the leadership, it's your responsibility to know what's going you on. You absolutely should know what was going on. And so part of me got really upset where I'm like, look, I have worked in a variety of office spaces, one which was horrible at culture, sexual harassment happened all the time, nobody reported it. And if they did, HR was so messed up and so enmeshed in the culture, nothing happened, horrible. And I left that place, obviously. And now I work in a place that you can't even breathe a racist comment a sexual harassment move, anything inappropriate without getting fired immediately. It's amazing because you know where you stand. HR is on top of it at all times. We're constantly doing trainings. We're constantly doing improvements. We're constantly, I mean, it is just, it's wonderful. So it is possible to work in a space with thousands of employees and offices across the United States (laughs) to have a culture that is respectful and follows the rules and doesn't treat each other and doesn't have some horrendous sexual innuendo for a password for the internet. Did you hear that, Claire? I don't, I'm not even going to say it, but did you hear that piece? Yes, yeah. I did. Okay. I did. So, so the thing that where he was like, you know, I wasn't there and, and Greg was never at the office. I wanted to be like, it doesn't matter. You set the tone. You set the tone for this place. And yeah. so the fact that you're like, well, we weren't there. We didn't see it is sorry. That's actually worse. You should know mm-hmm. exactly what is going on. And then they talked a little bit about culture. I'm sorry, um, diversity in CrossFit and making the space accessible to all incomes, races, sexualities, genders, etc. Et mm-hmm. And Dave's response was more along the lines of, well, it's every gym's responsibility to make that happen, which right. I understand. But as the leader of that yeah, army, again, it's your responsibility you, to set the tone. You should set the tone. So what I'm thinking is like, okay, so for the past two years, the other issue has been that they've been completely off of social media. So we've felt really distanced from them. But the gyms look to your leader for how to set the tone for communities. Mm-hmm. And for him to say, well, the gyms have always, you know, they're the ones that should be kind of the leaders in this community. And it's, it, we're, hey, we're accepting to everybody. Well, clearly you're not because if black people aren't going to the gyms, if all races aren't going to this gym, there's a reason why. And the fact that mm-hmm. you're just like, well, we're, we're inclusive. Yeah, what, and if what, you're not exploring what? why all races right. aren't coming into your gym, that is concerns me because you can't just wash that is so that where I is what I'm getting to and I know I'm out of time because I said only five minutes but the issue that I saw with this whole interview was like hey we we only charge twenty dollars for the open everyone can afford that I'm like no 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 you're totally missing the point the point is these cultures these races people don't feel welcome they don't feel Mm. welcome why don't they feel welcome and that is the issue you guys CrossFit, if you're listening, you're probably not. I'm sure you hate us. You know, and it just, it felt a little bit like understandably so. Dave came off very much like everyone's attacking us. And I'm like, yes, we're attacking you. And there's a reason why. And why aren't you exploring the reason why? It's because you're so out of touch with how people don't feel welcome into your gym that that is where 
it feels like you guys have some work to do. And I'm sure the argument could come back in my comment being like, well, you guys, have, you, you don't work for CrossFit. You don't understand what we do. But that is kind of like the parent saying, I can't believe everything I've done for you and you treat us like this is just Yeah, and I think the other cool. thing too is again, like acknowledging our role in that, that you know, we did hold, have a CrossFit focused podcast for years and never sure, brought this up. Totally. And I think that I don't want to eschew any of that personal responsibility. And I love I the think, word eschew. Thank you. And I think that to what Dave is saying, it's like, it doesn't matter whether or not you were there. If you're a leader, you're responsible for what happens at the end of the day. Yeah. And you maybe what you should be saying is I wasn't there. So I didn't realize it was happening. But I should have paid more attention. And I should have known what was going on. And that was a problem and that I am now recognizing. You can't go back and change what happened. But you can at least take personal responsibility and not just say, well, I don't know, I wasn't there. <laughs> right. yeah. okay, and, and, it wasn't, it. and it wasn't like that. I mean, yes, I guess it right. was it like wasn't that. in it that wasn't tone, like but, in that tone, but it really was kind of like, I mean, he he opened up with saying, well, everyone's just focused on the negative, 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 negative. I'm like, there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. If you have a culture that is super, super solid, people will stand behind you when shit hits the fan. There's a yeah, reason and, why people right. focused on the negative. So I just was like, I, I know. And that's <laughs> the biggest thing that I kind of have continued to say and keep coming back to is like, if this was so bulletproof, then why were Jim so quick to, d to leave? Yep. A lot of them did say, you know, we believe in this, we're going to stay. But if this was as like watertight as they wanted it to, wanted to pretend that it was, then every gym would have said that. Yep. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Thank you so much for letting me talk about that. <laughs> Can you just touch upon really quick that we got a couple comments about the oxygen mask thing? Yes. <laughs> I think that's important. Thank you. Okay, great. So, okay. So last week, um, we talked about how I was at a grocery store in Grand Junction and was appalled to see a woman on oxygen not wearing a mask. And some people helpfully wrote in to let us know that for people who are already on oxygen, wearing a mask can be very difficult because you potentially are already having a hard time getting the, you know, breathing the way that you need, or obviously you're having a hard time breathing and wearing a mask can make that more difficult. So I did not think about that. Thank you for bringing that up. And you're right. And I definitely, that makes me now wish even more that the other people in the store had been wearing masks for her sake. And that, you know, makes me just like, now that sends me down a whole other wormhole of like, does she does does she not have somebody else who go to the store for her? Like, I wish that she did, you know. So thank you for bringing that up. I did not think about that. And you're right that I didn't, yeah, that I can definitely see that. How if you are already oxygen, if you're already having trouble breathing, wearing a mask would be tough for you. And also people who have anxiety and panic attacks completely understand that too. Yeah. And I think, you know, I get there are legitimate reasons for people not to wear a mask. And I think you were speaking also, like as your experience as a whole. And you as, just kind well, of threw that in as like, I was shocked. Yeah, you were shocked by how few people had masks on and when in and that to me was like an egregious example of like and see even this very high risk person not thinking like oh that person that one individual probably would have been difficult for her to wear right one. but even that if if i mean i'm not trying to defend or make you know make it right of 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 anything uh -huh. that we say that that could be corrected but just saying like the people around her should have been wearing masks. Well, exactly. <laughs> that, and that's kind of, it's like, okay. Yeah. And I took her as like the example of like, and even this woman, I can't believe she didn't have one on when that should have instead turned it around even more. And like, and see this woman with oxygen can't wear one. So everyone else should be that much more concerned about it. Right. Like these are the people who we're trying to protect. It's not just about you. Yeah. It's about the woman with oxygen who can't wear a mask. Yeah. So. So it's just interesting. I mean, we are living in Colorado where... 
as of right now, June 28th, cases are going down. Um, we're surrounded by states that cases are going up that did not practice social distancing or mask wearing. And I think a lot of the arguments and the debates are like, well, all the protests all of a sudden made everybody, all the cases go up. I'm like, yeah, Colorado had tons of protests. And guess what? Our cases are still going down. So just be smart. Be smart. Do your research. Uh, I want to read a quick email from Crystal, just kind of tying up this topic. And then we're going to end on a light, not lighter note, because I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to always have like the Brady Bunch ending, but here we go. From Crystal, I was listening to your recent podcast and wanted to comment because with everything going on, I think daily on how to fight against racism. I do think white people in general need to wake up whether you are male or female. I get it. Some people do need to be lectured. But at the same point, there are other steps like encouraging curiosity, curiosity within the city you live in and the people you're around. Yes, work within definitely needs to be done. Read books, watch documentaries, and talk with people of color if you have close friends and they want to talk. Dig deep. I know I have been a lot. To me, there's a civic responsibility that needs to take place as well that can occur right now. Everyone can look into the city they live in. Are the city council members all white? Vote for people of color. Write to council members. Look at your mayor, the district attorney. City council members decide on budgets and you can make your voice heard. Almost every city, there are neighborhoods that lack funding. Why is that? Ask your city council members. Make public officials accountable. Put pressure on them to look for nonviolent alternatives and non-discriminatory policies by writing letters. People that have children write to the school asking for diversity. If you have other friends that have children within, ask them to write to the school. I know for myself, it is overwhelming to think of how to end racism and racist systems. I can only do so much and it's hard to fight constantly every day. I really can't. I just think about making people aware of their responsibilities might help them to not retreat and become overwhelmed and do nothing. I don't think it is our duty to flash every anti-racist deed on social media, but it is our responsibility to support and fight for others in the ways we can. Thank you. I've listened to the podcast for a long time and I've never commented. Thank you for being a platform that is considerate and cares about the people around you, Crystal. All great points. Love it all. And I think I, I love emails like that too, that kind of, because I think that one thing that can feel fatiguing about this whole process is feeling like, it is only the difficult, the really, really hard conversations that count, or it is only... Right, the big grand gestures, or the big donations, and the things now, the, now. Going it's to like, the no. protests, and yeah, yeah, and it's like, no, there are, there are these other very, very important things that you can do. Like, make sure you're registered to vote. And if you aren't, turn off the podcast right now and go register to vote. You have, it has to be at your current address. Make sure that it's with your current name, if you recently got married or whatever. Like, if you... I know, like, for me... I used to move once or twice a year. And so I was never, my voter registration was never current. And I would only re-up it like right before a big presidential election. Like I don't recommend that. Make sure you're you're current registered to vote. And we're really, really lucky in Colorado. We've had a mail-in ballot system for years that has been. Yeah, we have been lucky. I've taken that for granted because I do Yeah, I didn't realize that it was not the norm. Yeah, And, you know, it's been interesting to see all of the dialogue about and lack of dialogue about, you know, voter fraud with mail-in ballots because Colorado has had mail-in ballots for years and for many election cycles. And we have some of the lowest, vote, you know, quote unquote voter fraud, whatever that is in the state or in the country. So anyway. But even just if going on your on the website right now in the city you live in and looking up who your right. district attorney is. Who's your district attorney? How are they prosecuting 
crime? What are their beliefs on prosecution? And I don't know about you, but a lot of times, like for those types of elections, for the, like I don't do any research into those. I just like when the the time comes and the ballot, I just am like, we'll check, or I'll just leave that one blank. Oh, really? On uh, and like on that, and on like a lot of the judges and huh. things like that. Like I don't, I pay attention to like, oh yeah, well of course I'm gonna like vote for the mayor or whatever. But like I don't research. All right, in the past haven't researched those types of seats, like a yeah. lot of the other types of elected officials. And because I'm just like, oh well, you know, people who know better than me will vote for the right person, and sure. like I'll just leave that one blank. Yeah, and that's a that's a waste of my vote. It is. That's yeah, a, I mean, yeah, and I think I. Because I worked for the district attorney for 11 right. years. You have I'm a like, different perspective. I have a very different perspective. And I feel like, you know, eh, yeah, I could go off on a lot of tangents of like how important that is to know how, what their views are, even prosecuting crime. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've been reflecting a lot on that lately. Like when I used to work for the DA and I would, I worked with at risk youth that got in, you know, they got in trouble with the law. And I will never forget this one case because a lot is going on right now in police brutality and defunding the police, which, you know, that doesn't mean just get rid of the police, you guys do your research on what that actually means. But I remember I would go on ride alongs all the time, all the time, just on my free time, because I wanted to know what was going on in the community. And I worked with a lot of the kids there. So I wanted to see how they were treating the kids when they encountered them. And I w- I'm very passionate about treating people with mental health disorders or mental health diagnosis, treating them fairly when they're approached by cops. And I don't, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother show probably. But it was really important to me to talk to police police officers about how you interact with people with mental disorders. And I, re- I will never forget when I was a pretty young therapist, I had a, a client, a patient who had the onset of schizophrenia. And that is usually an onset around 17 or 18. And he was really getting in trouble because of this diagnosis. He would act violently, but not know it. He would act very just odd in behaviors where he once was sitting in a car that wasn't his car, but he thought it was his car and the police arrested him. And I really had to educate them on this diagnosis saying, this is not criminal behavior. And this, and it was an African-American young male. And I just remember saying to the to police officers, you have to understand that mental health can often look like criminal behavior because they're not well. And this is something that they're struggling with. And And so I think that that's a discussion that was 15 years ago. (laughs) And I feel like that's still something that hasn't really been developed in all counties or police departments. And I hope that they continue that discussion. But to research, back to the point, research your district attorney and how they prosecute crime, their views on crime. Kamala Harris has always been such a, I mean, back when I was first working for the DA's office, she was a district attorney. And I remember Kamala Harris before she was Kamala Harris. I remember researching her policies because I loved how she had a view on juvenile justice. Um, So those are the types of things too, especially like how does your DA deal with juveniles? So I'll get off that soapbox. That's a whole nother tangent, but yeah. It's very important. No, I think that's helpful because like that's something that I don't think about. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go research my DA, but like, what do I, what am I even looking for? Just read their manifesto. See, yeah, but that's, but like, that's what I mean. This is helpful. Like to hear, okay, look at how they have persecuted juveniles. Look at how they persecute, you know, look at how anything that they've done with different mental health issues and, you know, look at their records on these things. Right. Right. Do they Mm -hmm. prosecute uh, juveniles as adults? You know, do they prosecute? Do they have a juvenile diversion program that's fo- focused on rehab? Do they have mm-hmm. a Do they have a drug and alcohol court? 
That's huge. And if you are interested in wondering what that is, it's treating people with addiction to help rehabilitate and get them help and get them uh, treatment as opposed right, to services. Yeah, and get them tr- services as opposed. I mean, it's a drug court is beautiful. It's so hard for for people to get better from addiction. But if you continuously put people in jail and don't give them services, and I know a lot of people out there are like, well, it's their fault. They're just using drugs. I'm like, no, addiction is a disease. It is so hard to come back from addiction that you can't get out of that cycle unless someone throws you a bone. And not every person's going to succeed with that, but there are the people that you can save and that will respond to something like drug court. And it's pretty amazing. So does your area have a drug court? Do do they prosecute juveniles as, as adults? Do they have something like a juvenile diversion? program, which gives juveniles the opportunity to offend when they're kids, but then clear their records so they don't have this record following them when they're adults. So these are all things that I think, you know, I'm happy to talk more about if people have questions, but that's just a start to just kind of mm-hmm. pay attention to stuff like that. <sighs> well, uh, I think that's all we have today. No, we're almost time. <laughs> you had some, you did have some, I did some have some good questions. questions because I want to, okay, let's just end on this then because I have some, I I'm a huge fan of Mike Birbiglia. He's a comedian and he's just a lovely human being from what I know. I have not met him in person, but he has a podcast that is called Working It Out. And I will never be on the show. So I'm going to steal his questions because I really want to answer them. Uh, but he always starts his podcast with, instead of the speed round, he what? calls it the speed round, he calls it the slow down round. So instead of the speed round, he's like, let's just slow down. So he asks guests these three questions. So the first question is, do you have a smell? And the reason why he asks this, because he taught, he has a bit in his standup that he talks about the YMCA pool <laughs> and the smell of the YMCA pool. He's like, do you yes. have a smell that reminds you of your childhood and why? I'll go first if you're thinking okay. about it. My yeah. Mine is because of growing up in Arizona, the smell of rain on 112 degree weather is something that you cannot describe and will always remind me of my childhood. So because we rarely get rain in Arizona, but the, the thunderstorms and the, I think it's like August where we have, oh my gosh, I'm totally- A little bit of monsoon. Yeah, thank you, monsoon. The monsoon season in August is this dead heat. I mean, average of 110 degrees a day. And so when it rains, you can just smell this dirt heat yeah. smell that is, it totally reminds me of childhood and I love it. Mine would either be like super crappy, cheap sunscreen, <laughs> like banana boat sunscreen <laughs> or the palest child that you always like had. the palest child. Because like now, like I don't, you, I haven't, you know, like ever since we found out that like that sunscreen's like not you know, it's like full of a bunch of crap. I don't use that stuff anymore, but I did as a child. Like I had the sunscreen growing up that was like purple that you would rub into. And the idea was that you could tell where you had missed it. But really what it did was it just like gave your pale, pale skin this like purple hue to make you sort of look like a corpse. So in case I needed help looking paler, I would rub blue tinted sunscreen into my white skin. Great. Uh, that's great. And the other thing, ooh, I have, I think I have a couple. The smell of Eggo waffles in the toaster. Ooh. And um, the last one would be the smell when you have like a fleece gator pulled up over your nose in the cold, like in your skiing. Okay. Because as a, like, you know how as, how as like a little kid, you like suck on everything or like like chew on things, totally. like sweatshirt corners, whatever. Yep. My thing I would always like chew on was my ski gator. And so I, my neck gator. And so it would be like, like frozen from just my saliva and sitting right there on my face. And then I would be smelling it. And so that always got me. 
<laughs> That's so random. So like when I'm skiing and I like pull my gator up over my nose, I'm like, oh. The other thing now that you're saying that is do you ever feel like schools smell the same? Like cafeteria? 100%. Yeah. Cafeteria. Uh-huh. Like when I, I did an internship yes. at um, elementary school when I was in grad school working with kiddos and I remember just there's nothing like walking into a school and smelling cafeteria that is right. And it's like always the same, like, but yeah, also like, like cleaning, cleaning supplies, yes. like a cleaning something and food. Yep. And there's just something really nostalgic about a school cafeteria. I love it. Okay. What memory do you have that plays on a loop from childhood, but does, doesn't necessarily tie to any particular story. And what he means by this is like, do you just have like something that kind of pops in and out, but it's not, it's just kind of like this loose memory that you have. Mine is oh my gosh, sitting out front with all of my neighborhood friends with a bag No, it was like a sleeve of soft-baked cookies. Amazing. And I would put them in stacks and make a cookie sandwich, and I'd bite into it. (laughs) That's my loop. Oh, my gosh. I have so (laughs) many. Soft-baked cookies, if you don't remember, were like the most soft, yummy, delicious. Right, but like you also were like, why? Like what? Like preservative is in this. What preservative (laughs) that's making it so soft? Right. And also it was very close to just eating cookie dough. Totally. I have so many because I actually had and still have like a super detailed memory. Like I have memories from like having my diaper changed. Like I have memories from being an infant in my crib. And so I have a lot of memories like that where it's like they're, they don't, they're not tied to anything, but they're just just like these moments from my childhood. Uh I have another one where like, as you're saying that too, I have one where I was, someone was holding me as a baby out in front of our front yard in Arizona, uh-huh. like our neighbor was holding me, which is like the weirdest just flash of a memory that I have. Okay. The other one was when I turned 10, it had to be five. Actually, when I was five, I asked my mom if I was old. I remember cute. on our fifth birthday, I was like, mom, That's am so I cute. old now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Miles, <laughs> I was like, he's like, well, when I'm six, yeah, <laughs> like I'll be able to do that. Yeah. You know? so fun. I'll be like, Brandon will be like mowing the lawn. And, and Miles is like, well, I'll be able to mow the lawn when I am six. I'm like, you can mow the lawn right now if you want. Um, <laughs> no one's no one's holding you back, kid. Yeah. No one's holding you back. Be my guest. <laughs> One that I have is of being really little. And my we used to live when I was little, like until, until I was like four or five, we lived in one of those like big historic Victorian houses on Mapleton Hill in mm-hmm. Boulder. And my parents' master bedroom had like a little sitting area in the front of it. And so I, and they had this little like, sh- like lounge chair, I guess <laughs> that had, that was like a long, you know, a lounge chair, a long chaise, a chaise, if you will. We have one of those in our bedroom. It's really comfy. Yeah. Yeah. They had one in their bedroom and I, I remember like waking up in the middle of the night and going in there with like my blankie and laying down and going to sleep on the little lounge oh, chair. That sounds which, so like, lovely. You know, Miles does that. He comes into our room maybe two or three times a month. And I love it when he comes in our room. Like I absolutely love it when it's the middle of the night and he just like pushes me out of the way and I end up sleeping in the middle of the bed with no pillow. I don't know why. Like I, I've never, we've never co-slept with our kids except for the first like couple weeks of their lives. And I just love it when he comes in. And and it's I don't love it enough to put him to bed in my bed. Yeah. Because like that process goes awry very quickly. Like he won't fall asleep in my bed, but I love it when he comes in in the middle of the night. And so I just imagine, I imagine that I must have done that a lot. Yeah. Because knowing how much Miles comes in, if I had like a little chair bed for him in here, he probably would come in every night. <laughs> That's so cute. That's really cute. Okay, last one. What group social 
or otherwise did you want to belong to but didn't growing up? This is so easy for me because like my whole life, my whole childhood was shaped by me being a Catholic girl in a Mormon town. And I just wanted to be accepted by all the girls that were like, you're not in this ward. You don't go to Mormon school. You don't go to whatever the heck they call it. I mean, again, if you're listening, you're Mormon. No offense. I I still have great friends from home that are Mormon. <laughs> but that yeah. was very damaging to a young a young girl who was like, just wanted to be accepted. And I was the only Catholic Well, and just, girl. yeah, no matter what it is, if yeah. you're like the only you, one. Yeah. That, yeah. When you have like little elementary girls being like, oh, we have this, whatever, I don't know, like the beehives. They had this like little group, whatever age you're in, you have. Mm-hmm. Right, your little like Sunday school Little group. Sunday school, whatever. And they'd be like, well, if you were Mormon, you would be in this group with us. And I was always, always just trying to fit in so bad. Yeah, I know. It's so sad. I still like get like butthurt about it when I think about it. Because I'm like, I think probably uh, this is going to be the saddest story. Do you want to hear the saddest story ever? This is so sad. (laughs) To this day, when I tell it, I get choked up because I'm like, my poor mother probably just wanted to like go punch all of these women or all these little girls. But when I was in first grade, it was like first or second grade, I... (laughs) Poor little Joy. I went into the classroom and everyone had on these rings and they have CTR rings. So CTR in the Mormon religion is called choose the right. And so they have these little rings that they wear. It's like a shield and it just says CTR on it. And I remember going into the classroom and everyone had these rings on. And my mom, I went home and I was like, I didn't get a ring. Oh, little Joy. And my mom was like, oh, I didn't know why I didn't get a ring. Like, Aww, I thought I was. <laughs> I, love the sound. I wanted to have acceptance so bad, which is probably why I have so many acceptance issues now. But yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, Whew, that was a therapy like, session. <laughs> seriously, little it's Joy. It's so sad. I'm, I, I'm laughing, but it was really painful. <laughs> right. I'm laughing to keep from crying. Yes, exactly. Um, I I don't know. You didn't have a Regina George or anything? I mean, is it bad to say that like looking back on my high school experience, I'm realizing that like I was like kind of, I don't think I was Regina George because I'm pretty sure I was pretty, like I was nice. Yeah. But like if I wanted to be in a group, I would just go join that group. Uh-huh. But everyone and was probably pretty everyone was probably pretty um except so so like in high school it was different. In high school I right, was Right, you're pretty, talking about like being little. Yeah, like when I was little, but I mean I guess this could apply to any age, but my age, significant yeah. one was when I was really young. And then of course right. like throughout junior high and high school, I like mastered how to get into groups and I was like I was friends with everybody type of thing and I was I could really kind of float in and out of any group I wanted to. Yeah. Um, I would say that like I always kind of wanted – I wanted to be athletic, which like still I wish I was more athletic, I right. guess. I wish I had the confidence to be athletic when I was – I mean, I was a dancer and a cheerleader, but I always wanted to be – Right. I always wanted to play sports, but I just I didn't have the confidence to do it. Well, and I more so just like wanted to be like – I wanted to like ride the bus to the games and I wanted – like I wanted the social aspect oh, yeah. of like – doing that stuff and I didn't so ever play fun. sports. Yeah. I don't know when I would have played sports because I, I, I like did all the other things. I know, I did every you did everything. other thing. Yeah. That's the only thing that I can think of where I'm like, oh, I kind of wish that I had done that. Totally. And I, oh, I, you know what? I Looking back, I kind of sometimes wish I had been in a sorority really? at the first college I went to. Okay. Because I started in California because I started school at Santa Clara. Yeah. And it's a smaller school, but it's super tight when I was there. And I don't, you know, I was super tight knit to the point that like the neighborhood surrounding the school had maybe like a dozen houses that were known for being student housing like for being like where upperclassmen lived and the houses had names 
and the houses kept their name regardless of who lived there. So you'd be like, oh, we're going to the greenhouse. Oh, we're going to jailhouse. Mm. Oh, we're going to, you know, mm. whatever house. And it didn't matter who lived there. It just like rotated through. And so they were sort of these like unofficial not unofficial sororities by any means, but like unofficial, like, oh, you, oh, she lives at the greenhouse. You know, like it was like a status symbol to live in one of those houses because they were like the party houses. And then there were also a few sororities and the sororities were very, very small. And when I first got to college, I was like, I don't want to be a sorority. Like sorority girls are stupid. And then when I saw like how much fun that looked like they had, like when they, when you got, when you rushed, they like would decorate the door of your dorm every single day with a different theme and like it looked it just looked like so much fun and I was like oh I should have done that yeah I that never like fun. I had no interest in sororities I, had no I interest. think the only reason I did was because I ended up transferring out of that school within a semester because I just didn't feel connected to anyone and I felt like this was not the college experience I was expecting because it was such a small school and having grown up in Boulder around CU my whole life, I just didn't like, I didn't know what, I didn't realize that I was expecting a large school experience until I got there yeah. and realized like in my mind, college was like a big school with a football team because that's what I had grown up around. I mean, like I've been going to CU football games since I was a kid. Right. Right. And so it didn't occur to me that I had like created these subconscious expectations for college by living in a large university town. And then I tried to go to a small school and was like, wait a minute, where's all like the stuff? Right, right. And, you know, Boulder is a community that's completely built around CU and like totally. everywhere you go. It's a you student know, there's, town. It is a it's college It's a student town. town. Yeah. Yep. And Santa Clara is not that way. It's mm-hmm. like, a you know, you're in San Jose, which is like a tech town. And the school is very small and it's very like, it's an old mission. So it's beautiful, but it's very like secluded. And you walk one block off campus and like it's like no one even cares that you go there right and I was like but uh." Mm -hmm. so anyway yeah so I I wonder I I do wonder like if I had joined a sorority would I have felt differently yeah and it looks like so much fun right yeah I just remember because I went to Arizona State right I and I stayed you know I was I was it was an in-state for me so I just remember being like well I already have friends and then it also felt very hoity-toity and that just wasn't my vibe at least the issue I just didn't feel like that would be me it wasn't well, so fit for my thing, vibe is that then I went to see you and I did rush a sorority uh-huh. I rushed Alpha Chi Omega and I didn't even make it through like the rush process or whatever they call it I didn't even because I dropped out like three weeks in because I was like this is way too much I because I was like I already have friends like I already have a community like, here I don't need do? to like it was just really strict yeah which I think is the kind of the thing. But I was like, I remember at one point, you know, I was going through rush or whatever. And I was like in my like class and I was, I went to a meeting on the like whatever weekly meeting and I, and they were like, okay, well we have this retreat coming up. It's on these days. And, and I could, and it was like two weeks away. And this was the first I was hearing about it. And I couldn't go cause I worked and I used to, you know, I used to work for a florist and do weddings. And so like my weekends up through October were just completely packed with weddings. And so I like had to go in front of the board and like tell them why I couldn't go. And they're like, well, we don't really see work as an a good reason to like miss out on these activities. And I was oh like, God. no one told me about this. Yeah. yeah like I can't just like, like, you have right, to, I'm out. and they're like, well, you should have received the calendar. And I was like, well, I didn't. So, you know, they didn't give us anything. And they're like, did you not? And they like looked over at the girl and they're like, you didn't give them the calendar. And she was like, oh, I must've forgotten. And I was like, this is so weird. Ooh, like I'm in no. front of like a board in no, a basement thanks. right now. Like, yeah. So maybe that's the same experience I would have had at right. Santa Clara, Yeah. but it just looked like more fun at Santa. Cause at CU, I'm like, so going to the weeds with this at CU. I was at CU a couple, of years after the the scandal broke about how they had been like basically using rape as like a recruitment tool for football players what yeah didn't you i don't remember I, this 
Yes, this was in like the it, it happened in like the late nineties, and then it the, it broke in maybe like two thousand. What do you mean they were using rape? I mean, like they basically would set up football player recruits and more or less like put them in like in scenarios where they could take advantage of girls on campus. What? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, Gross. that face. Yeah, that face. and so and it was very, very tied to the Greek system, mm. and so CU had disaffiliated with the Greek system, and they were like, "You can Got still like it. Yeah. so like being in a sorority was not technically a university activity. Sure. It was like you could join a sorority if you wanted, but it, you you know it'd be the same thing as you joining like the Boulder City bicycle team or whatever. Like right. it wasn't correlated with the university yeah, directly, like and linked. so I think that is also why it felt like kind of like why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a fun little trip down that memory was lane. A little memory lane. I know. I I'm would love to hear everyone my, like, else's college days. And, I know. I'd love to hear everyone else's smells. Yeah, that's an interesting one mm. for sure. I love the Eggo waffles. That's a good one. Eggo right, waffles. They're so distinct. Is such a distinctive smell. Yeah. I recently was trying to describe Pop Tarts to our au pair because I made homemade Pop Tarts, which they ter- they turned out terrible, by the way. Oh, dang. I was so excited about them. And I think what happened, I think two things happened. The first thing was that I don't think I rolled the um, the different pieces thin enough. And so like the paste, like the crust was too thick. Uh-huh. And then because of that, when I went to like seal it closed, it didn't stick together. And so all the se- the filling came out. Oh. So it was just like a total bust. But I was trying to explain Pop-Tarts to Maxine. And she, I was like, do you know what Pop-Tarts are? And she was like, no. And I was like, you know, it's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a PB&J like, in a tart. Like, you know, it's like pastry on the outside. And there's like jelly or like sugar inside. And then there's frosting on top. And you put it in the toaster and you eat it. Kids eat it for breakfast. She was like, kids eat that for breakfast? I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> She's like, and there's frosting? I was like, yeah, and sprinkles. Oh, no, that makes it worse. <laughs> But it's delicious. But it's delicious. Oh, well, thank you guys so much for hanging in there. Another episode of Joy and Claire. Send us an email. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com or a voice memo. Thank you for your voice memos. You can contact us directly by hitting the contact button on our Instagram profile page. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. The discount code is joy. My mom was just telling me that she has her glasses and she's wearing them at night. For those of you who don't know, and I don't know why you would know, my mom is blind in one eye. And so her remaining eye she's gonna hear this and be like you don't call it my remaining eye. <laughs> her her good eye um my remaining eye <laughs> she has to take care of it she doesn't have her spare yes. is gone yeah her spare is gone she's got it carol and you take care of that eyeball take care of that eyeball and she was like i was on my computer really really late the other night and i walked and then i walked into my bedroom and i couldn't see in dim light in like the center of my vision for a long time and it really freaked me out and so I wore my blue black glasses the next night and it really made a big difference that like my dim light vision kicked in much faster what a great testimony right love it see it works it works thank you guys so much we love you have a great week we'll see you next time bye bye Like we do it.